I'll be reading from Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of our Lord. But it's, uh, it's great to be together in this time of, of worship as we are transitioning between seasons. Uh, this is the last Sunday of the Epiphany season, and we're moving into Lent this week. And so on Wednesday night, we'll have our Ash Wednesday service at 6 o'clock. And uh, it's not a, a real long service, but it's a, always a meaningful time for us as we receive the ashes and as we think about the words that go behind them. But this morning, uh, this is Transfiguration Sunday. It is always uh, the Sunday when we think about the significance of Jesus going up on the mountain with the disciples. And you've already heard in the Exodus text uh, about another mountaintop experience. Aren't you thankful for mountaintop experiences? Uh, Me too. Well, I was driving down Southfield uh, this past week. Uh, until I was stopped by a red light right there at the intersection uh, with Fern. Everybody knows that intersection, right? Uh, And I never mind having to stop there uh, because it is such a festive corner, isn't it? Why is it festive? That one house. house, There you go. The house that is on the northwest, I believe, northwest corner of the intersection is famous for having decorations for really every uh, season of the year. I mean, you name it, they have some decorations out there. I don't know where they keep those. There must be a huge warehouse in the back or underground or something where they keep all of that stuff. Uh, but they are, they're always celebrating. And uh, if I ever get mixed up about what season we're in, I could just drive by there, and this is how I would know what season it is. So without fail, the owners quickly moved from Valentine's Day decorations to St. Patrick's Day. So that's the next big one coming up. I think there's some Mardi Gras stuff out there as well. But the green colored decorations, the uh, leprechauns, the the pots of gold, they really leave no room for guessing what season that we're getting into. Um, And if you're Irish, I'm sorry, you're probably offended uh, by all of that. But as we travel down our our busy pathways to work and to school, to play, to church, or whatever errands that we're doing, uh, chances are at some point we go through uh, the the busy intersections of life. And we realize that time passes by rather quickly. But what we hear from Matthew's gospel today is 
a way for us to stop in the midst of the busyness and, the, and a time for us, uh, and maybe even this morning, it's even more appropriate to have all of those people out there getting ready for the parade because it reminds us that it's chaotic out there. It's chaotic in our world. People are going places, and, and it's just, it, it's a busy time in our lives. But this is a uh, shift in seasons for us, and this text reminds us of that shift. It really marks it for us. We're going from a time of intense celebration to a time that is very quiet and solemn. It is a time of introspection. It's a time of change. And this season of Epiphany, with all of its bright lights and its inspirational sights, is giving way to the season of Lent. But before we enter it, we were invited to travel up the mountain for one more Epiphany experience. And I hope you've had some of those in this time uh, since Christmas. I hope you've had uh, a time maybe as you were waking up in the morning or maybe it is as you saw the beautiful azaleas that shouldn't be blooming but are, uh, or as you saw the sun going down or the sun coming up, there was a, a point where you just recognized something about God that God is with you, or uh, that God loves you, or that, that God has used you in some particular way. But some eye-opening experience where you can reflect on who God is. There's so much that we can see with our eyes, and Matthew reminds us of that. And he begins his account of what took place on the mountain. And if you have uh, the Bible there on the pew rack or maybe one that you brought. If you look in Matthew 17 again at this particular passage, the transfiguration account is in other Gospels as well, but we find uh, Matthew uh, describing it in his particular way. And he talks about how Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Who are they, by the way? They're the leaders of the disciples. There are other disciples that are around. And we don't get that background to this text, but Jesus has been with all of the disciples, but he goes and picks out Peter, James, and John, taps them on the shoulder perhaps, says, come on with me, we're going to go up the mountain. And Matthew describes it as a high mountain. It is a place where they are going, and they're going to go by themselves. And Matthew tells us, he gets right to the action, reporting how Jesus was transfigured, or he was transformed, he was changed. What they knew that Jesus looked like was, was changing. It's like when you see someone in a different light, and uh, you see something about them that you really hadn't noticed before. And Jesus was transfigured before them, Matthew says, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. He goes on with what happened next, how Moses and Elijah appeared and were talking with Jesus. Matthew's audience, the, the people that he is writing to, are, uh, are Jewish primarily. And he is wanting to frame for them who Jesus is and, and continued to be for them. That he is the fulfillment of what Moses represented in the law. And we've already heard about Moses this morning from Exodus and the experience that he had. 
But we see on the other side, there is Elijah. And I believe in this Raphael painting, you can see there uh, a beautiful picture of, of what this must have been like. Peter, James, and John are looking up and they see them there and they recognize what it is that, that what's happening there. Maybe they didn't recognize it at the moment, but, but later that they would understand how Jesus is right in the middle. Jesus is a fulfillment of the law and the prophecy. And Peter um, really speaks up uh, and says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. So you kind of get an idea of they're all kind of falling down and a little bit blinded by what's going on. And Peter is probably uh, the one right there in the middle who is speaking up. Peter always is the first one to speak up. Lord, it's good for us to be here. Thank you for inviting us to come up to this mountain with you. This is amazing. And he really wants to stay. He wants to set up three dwellings or three tents on top of this mountain so that they could stay longer. He didn't want it to end, just like that perfect vacation. I know Mike and Patty just went on one. They didn't bring pictures for us to see. I'm sure they have them, but went on a vacation. Probably did not want to uh, come back, didn't want it to end. And you've been on experiences like that. You've been to places that you, you really would just rather stay forever. And this is what was going on with Peter and James and John. And as soon as Peter could get his suggestion out of his mouth, a cloud rolled in and obscured their beautiful sight. So just like here in Louisiana, the weather just changed almost instantly, and this cloud blows in, and there is something else that is going on. And they began to hear a voice. And what they heard was God's voice saying, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now these are familiar words. We just read these words or we just heard them at the baptism of Jesus just a few weeks ago where God was saying, Look, right here in the Jordan River is my son. I am well pleased with him. And so these words are echoed again so that the disciples could hear them. But this little tagline on the end, listen to him, is so powerful. It is so instructive for what Peter, James, and John were to do. So God had given them some great sights of Jesus to see. Just think about all that they had been able to see of Jesus during this time. But now God was giving them, giving them something or someone to hear, somebody that they needed to listen to, another part of themselves that was to engage with what God was doing in Jesus. And what we are to know this morning is God's desire to direct us to a time and a place to listen to Jesus. For Peter, James, and John, it was a nearby mountain. And by the way, uh, Matthew describes it as high, and so it was not necessarily easy to get to. We don't get the uh, commentary or the chatter of Peter, James, and John hiking up the mountain. But it was a high mountain. It probably took a little bit of time to get up there. It probably was exhausting. And they had uh, been hiking you know, uh, all this time, walking with Jesus wherever he was going. And so we don't get all that information. But we can just imagine what it would have been like 
hiking up this mountain. And as they get there, they recognize it was worth it. And I want to ask you, and I ask myself this as well, where might God lead you to go with Jesus as we begin the season of Lent? Where is it that God is directing you? We're getting ready to enter Lent, 40 days to put our focus, to be able to put our minds and our hearts around some very powerful words and events and things going on in the life of Jesus, things that have great relevance for our lives here today. And so where is it that Jesus will take you? Chances are it is nearby. It is also likely not an easy place to get to. The best places never are, right? Getting there may take some uh, exertion. It may take some extra steps. It may take some real discipline. Going to your mountaintop may involve getting up half an hour earlier, saying no to commitments instead of saying yes. Maybe they're important things but it may mean just saying no. You might even get frustrated just trying to get to your mountain. I can assure you, you will. There'll be frustrating obstacles along the way. You'll get busier. You'll find that your task list is getting longer and longer. The more you you try to spend time alone with God, you'll find those difficulties. But oh, the view once you get there. Once you get into that place where you can quiet your heart and your mind and your phone and your activities and everything else and just sit in the presence of God. What a great view. When we get to that place where we find that we are alone with Jesus, when we hear the voice of God's affirmation about who Jesus is, We are to hear God's call for us to listen to Jesus and to help us out and to get uh, get us to develop our listening skills. God allows the clouds to hinder our sight. I think that's what was going on here. If if their sight had not been hindered, uh, they would have just continued to gaze upward and not considered what God was saying. Yes, we are to listen, especially when the bright light of Jesus gets obscured by clouds. And I wonder, what are the clouds that God brings into your life or that God allows to to blow into your sight? Well, our tendency when they do come in is to get blue. Uh, I I just uh, immediately get depressed and low when the sky fills up with clouds. Uh, I love the sunshine. I love being out in it and wish it could be that way all the time. And so I tend to get blue. And maybe you do too. Uh, Or maybe you get afraid when you see the clouds coming. You you think there's going to be a storm coming, uh, terrible things are going to happen, and you, you begin to get anxious about that. But this is what happened with Peter, James, and John. They're terrified. But then Jesus comes up to them and touches them on the back. And he says, get up. Don't be afraid. And Jesus comes to us in our fears. And he touches us with the first words that we need to hear. Get up. 
and do not be afraid. Get up from your fear. Get up from your depression. Get up from your anxiety. Get up from the challenges that you are feeling that are weighing you down and do not be afraid. Yes, I know there are clouds, Jesus says. Yes, I know the waters are coming against us in the boat. I know that uh, the winds are blowing hard, but if you'll just listen, do not be afraid. So we listen by getting up, by getting rid of our fear. In her commentary uh, on Matthew, Marietta Madeline Anschutz writes that God prepares people in the transcendent encounters of our lives to endure the world below, the world of the cross, the world that has the ability to break us and yet is never beyond God's redemption. She quotes from C.S. Lewis's book, The Silver Chair. Any C.S. Lewis fans? When uh, Aslan speaks a final word, Here on the mountain I have spoken to you clearly, says Aslan. I will not often do so down in Narnia. Here on the mountain the air is clear and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken, but take great care that it does not confuse your mind. And the signs which you have learned here will not, uh, will not look at all as you expect them to look when you meet them down there. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and pay no attention to appearance. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Nothing else matters. Jesus says to us, Get up and be on your way. Go down the mountain of Epiphany and go into the world below. That's where real life is going to take place. That is where everything you've learned on the mountain can be applied into the world around you. And as you go, remember what you saw of Jesus with your eyes. But don't forget to listen to what you hear from His words. Listen to Jesus by writing His words. That's a great discipline. Write the words of Jesus and see what happens. Listen to Jesus by speaking His words. Listen to Jesus by listening to your neighbor. Listen to Jesus by not listening to everyone and everything else. Listen to Jesus by listening with other people, young and old. One more way that you can listen to Jesus is by attending our Lent study on Wednesday nights. And I have the, the book right here. You can see it's not a real thick book. Uh, but the uh, applications from it are thick and will lead you into the thick of your soul uh, during this next 40 days. This will be a, a study on Thomas Merton's writings about developing our spirituality going deeper in our faith through contemplative practices. And it involves personal devotions that you do each day during the week, plus the time of coming together and discussing what God is showing us and doing in our lives. And this will begin on March the 15th. So I hope you can be there to participate, to listen to the words 
that Jesus has for you to hear. Well, the light finally changed from red to green there at that intersection, and it was my turn to go through it. But just as I started to go, a car came barreling through the intersection, running the red light. And I I should have just waited, knowing how people tend to run the light. No kidding. Every time I am at that intersection, someone runs the light. I should have just waited. But each time I see this happen, it makes me wonder what's going to happen to them or to someone that they run into as they have no desire to pay attention to the lights around them. Seeing it makes me wonder what could happen if they just stopped and looked and listened. Let us pray.